Hello and welcome to Against Austin on Against Me podcast. I'm Dwayne and I'm here with Austin. What's going on this week? Hey, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good. Yeah. Here we are. That's always the most awkward part of the <laughs> show when it's like, how are you? We've been talking for 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. This is a big show. We got a big album to talk about this week. But there's one thing that you wanted to talk about and we hinted at it last time. And that is, uh, I'm just going to come out and say it here. And I know this might upset some people. <laughs> Wait, really quickly. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what you're about to say. And I didn't want to talk about it. You have been poking me with a sharp stick about it for, for weeks now. It came up, it came up one day and Austin said, save it for the show. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. That's right. more like it. That's actually what happened. <laughs> Here's the deal, man. I know this is going to upset some people, but it's it's the way that I feel in my heart. I'm just straight up not a fan of vinyl records at all. Don't get it. Never owned any. Like, well, I have owned some, but I just gave them away. So if I if I like, you know, what I mean. If I got a hold of one at a show somehow, I just immediately was like, I gave it to my brother. You can have this. Are you against? physical media not completely but it it is like it is 2022 i don't know why you would be listening to music that wasn't digital like if if you if you're like i want to pay for it or whatever awesome there's all kinds of sites out there where you can do that they invented records first right because they didn't have any other way to deliver music they're like hey we got a big shitty piece of plastic and if you right uh yeah, it's like a gramophone yeah right well then a few years later they came out with cassettes right mm. and that's not perfect but you know by the like late 80s we're getting on to cds there's no reason to ever listen to a record again like ever what's the this is what i understand about it okay <clears throat> please don't get mad at me I'm sorry. Oh, they will. Oh, they will. But this, here's, is the one, this is the one instance in this podcast where I'm not the one with the terrible takes. I'm not going to get yeah, mad at you for this. And I know, I know vinyl is a big thing in the punk scene, which I've also never. What You go to a show, right? And it's like, hey, do you want to buy this fucking piece of plastic that you got to take really good care of and like if you drop it at a fucking concert where people are going crazy or whatever like it's gonna break it drives me crazy you go to a show right because i love going to the merch stand that's one of my favorite things to do at any concert any event i go to well you you see some of these bands and they got like one poorly designed t-shirt and like six vinyl records it's like what am i supposed to do with that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I you know what for me it i i am like i do enjoy physical media i enjoy different types of physical media for different reasons like have a bunch of blu-rays right which everybody's like well there's all these streaming services but they don't always have these titles like these some of these titles are weird little indie shitty really shitty movies mm-hmm. that i like but right. you're never going to see it on netflix Right. And so buying it is like the last time I'm ever going to, that's, that's the last 
you know, version of that that you're ever going to see out in the wild because nobody's going to make something okay, they, better but, than Blu-ray. But they have every song you could think of on streaming. Right. And if they don't, you can find an illegal version on YouTube. Yes. Yeah. Music so. is different. No, no, I, I agree. Music is totally different. I I just like I I, I like the 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 physical act of putting a you know putting a record on the player playing it having to flip it over halfway through and then it's over i don't have ads to worry about and i know you could pay to not have ads i don't have to worry about the second the the album is over you know like it immediately launches into another song that i didn't pick you know like that that sort of thing i also really appreciate the art and i don't think you can appreciate artwork in a digital medium you don't have you know, you don't have any of the inserts. You can't look at it. And I think there's something about that that I like. But it's not for everybody. You can buy a digital copy of the album that has all that shit in it. Yeah, but I, I just, I want to hold stuff, man. That's that's it. Maybe I just can't think of a, a more inconvenient way to listen to something. Oh, it's you completely gotta, it's inconvenient. In a, in this, and also, here, here's, a, here's, here's the other thing about, about it. When they design vinyl records, right? They're like, okay, it's a giant piece of plastic. It's really fragile. Oh, so you must have created like some kind of special box to contain this so that it's safe. Oh, no, it's in a shitty piece of cardboard that's going to tear immediately. That's planned obsolescence. That's everything. That's like things are designed to break. So you go buy another one. That's how they, that's how these companies make money. They know what they're doing. They knew exactly I see a lot of, I don't want to shame anyone. I see a lot of bands tweeting like, well, it's really expensive to make records and it takes forever. Hey, let's kill it. Let's 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 now's the time. You know what I mean? A lot of things I'll, died in, in the past couple of years. We had to let a lot of stuff go. Maybe it's vinyl records had their day and it's come and gone. I think it's more of a collector's market than anything else. I really do. I, totally I have multiple people market. say to me when I said we were going to talk about this, go like, well, yeah, I buy them, but then I don't listen to it. I just want to have that. it. That's insane to me. I, I, I want to, you know why I want to buy a t-shirt at this you concert? Wear Cause I'm going to wear that fucking shirt until it falls apart. Right. We'll wear that shirt for the next 10 years. The the last point we'll make about this and, and I'll stop because people are probably going to get upset. This is one point I really want to stress because you hear this all the time, Austin. Been hearing this my whole life. I know exactly what you're going to say. I can already do. Can I guess? Can I guess? Go ahead. It sounds better on vinyl. No, it doesn't. Austin, there is no fucking way that a record a little piece of plastic that you put on this little wheel and put a needle on it and it makes all kinds of hissing noises. And if you play it at the wrong speed, it sounds weird. There's no way that that sounds better than putting in some nice wireless headphones and listening to a high quality stream of a, there's no way on earth. All right. That sounds better. I'm going to, no, it doesn't. I No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, 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 not agreeing with you i'm not disagreeing with you here's what i'm going to say is that people that are into vinyl usually have a pretty expensive setup right right you spend a lot of money so you have to convince yourself it was worth spending that money well i mean people like me know better because i'm not deep in the hole (laughs) oh listen you pay money for it you get what you pay out of a system right the speakers are better the speakers sound better than putting earbuds in or airpods in in, in, and from a digital stream right It, it it does sound better and it's not necessarily because it's on vinyl it's because of all the other stuff like the devices that are actually delivering that sound. 
That's why you don't see people hooking up their laptop to a huge, you know, hi-fi system to stream stuff from Spotify. Yeah, that's, that's just not, yeah, how, that's, that's not really how you listen to digital and expensive. Great right. job. It is complicated awesome. and expensive, but if you like music, it's worth it. And obviously you just hate music. That's what I've learned. Today. I just want to listen to songs. <laughs> I just want to, I want to type in well, you, apes you, of the state you, and then I listen to their song. You know what? You'll be, you'll be happy because every episode of this show that we have recorded so far, I've listened to the music exclusively on Spotify because it's just the easiest uh, interface to navigate through. Even though I also have a membership to Apple music. Cause I just, sure. I'm well, and I don't know that we want to plug spot. I don't know that we want to plug Spotify. I'm not plugging Spotify, but I'm saying I listen <laughs> to everything digitally. <laughs> sure. I okay. I didn't go out and buy vinyl to listen to against me for the very first time. That I did not do. Oh, not. really? <laughs> yeah, because that would have been an insane thing to do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Come on. All right, Austin. <laughs> Believe it or not, we actually have an album to talk about. Today. Yes, uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm pumped about this one. I gotta say, all right those those last couple of, that last episode with the, the the last few EPs that we've been listening to, I was like, man, I'm getting I'm getting punched around a little bit here. This it was a, it was a long road to get here. Yeah, I'm was, I was excited. I was excited but, and I wasn't uh, disappointed. I, I think it's going to be smooth sailing for the rest of the the podcast. At least the next two or three episodes are going to be good times. All right, let's do it. So today we are talking about against me as the eternal cowboy and Austin on this album against me is Laura Jane Grace on vocals, James Bowman on guitar, Andrew Seward on bass and Warren Oaks on drums. And once again, Rob McGregor is your producer, but this time Austin, we are on Fat Records. They sold out. They went to, uh, um, there's a lot of backlash about that at the time, believe it or not. Laura really? talks about it in her book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Laura talks about it in her book uh, and also in interviews I read. Uh, people were really, really upset to the point that they were like trying to sabotage their shows, damaging their merch, slashing their tires. Uh before any song ever was released, just the idea that they left No Idea Records and went to Fat Records, that was seen as like selling out and going mainstream. And Fat uh, Records is mainstream. I know it's dude. Fans are so crazy to me. Psychotic. But as I told you all the way back on episode zero, there's gonna be a lot of weird controversies with this band where they do things that seem pretty like mundane uh and people really get upset about it uh but can we just can we, can we well can we just address really quick that like fandom regardless of what you're a fan of is really weird like hardcore fandom it just attracts absolutely very sure. strange deranged people i mean in sure. wrestling I, and I like- and the smaller scale that you're on yeah the weirder your fans are going to be because they think they own you. They think that they're like, right. they have an ownership in whatever you're doing. It's very strange. Right. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have any fans of, of no. you know, nobody right. listens to this. And the people that do say you suck, we hate you. <laughs> so, well, so no, I'm the one that say that too. They love you. You're, <laughs> You were just um, talking about how people contact you and they're like, hey, this is pretty good. And well, I I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, sh- I'll shout out a couple of people. All the listeners are great. But there are four or five listeners that are like the top listeners. Of course, we talked about Dalton and Ed on the show before. 
And Ed, you know, Ed has like a pretty big account and he retweets anytime we have a uh, a new episode coming out. So that very Little much Ed. very much appreciated. Um, and of course, Dalton, I'll be honest with you. When I came up with this idea, um, I really thought Dalton was going to be like, what the fuck? Oh, he loves but, it. No, he's he was very, um, he's been very supportive. He loves it. He, um, loves it. he likes listening to it, which is, I don't even listen to it. Yeah, oh, believe me, I know, brother. <laughs> we have to, I have to edit out stuff where he's like, What are you talking about? And I'm like, Well, we talked about that last time. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is an argument for going back to it, but I'm supposed to be the dumb one in this arrangement. So, me not but knowing. I, I also want to give a big shout out to conrad aka comrade notice me oh shit that's her old she doesn't even use that ad anymore she got banned and had to make a new account so i forget what her new one is. but anyway <laughs> she knows who she is and she knows what she did and she's a big supporter of the show and also austin someone from your discord who's very nice is queen hooker oh yeah uh and she's actually like said actual words to me out loud about how she listened to the show so that was that was crazy uh so thank you to those people and everyone who listens to the show but especially those people they're they're the top i'm not going to say who the number one listener of the show is but all the listeners are in competition with each other so (laughs) just (laughs) keep that in mind but let's get let's get back to this album all right We're talking about their debut on Fat Records. I mean, I, I I know Fat Records because I was and still am a fan. I don't know how the last time I picked up a new album from No Effects was, but I yeah, I know. I mean, I'm aware of them through that because that was kind of my. I I mean, I liked No Effects a lot back in the day. I don't. I'm not sure about their recent. Uh, yeah, I haven't really listened material, and by recent, I mean like the last. <laughs> 15 years or whatever they've been. I, that's probably where <laughs> I'm about. I think the last stuff I really listened to was all the, the anti George W. Bush. Stuff yeah, that was that, good that was times. Out. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was on like the late nine, mid 90s through like maybe 2000, around this time, 2003, 2004, yeah. 2005. I have seen No Effects play a few times, only, only at the Warp Tour though. Uh, but I did see them play The Decline one of those times. Like the whole song, it was fucking nuts. That's like one of the best live performances I've ever seen. That was super sick. I wouldn't say I'm like a hardcore no effects guy, but I was I was into them in high school, that kind of mid two thousands time. But uh, their lead singer Fat Mike, for those that don't know, runs Fat Records uh, with some other dudes, and especially around this time, the mid two thousands, they kind of were like the hip punk label and uh i think one of the issues that the fans had was they felt like against me really didn't fit in with like the house style which is kind of more like a pop punk you know bands like lag wagon and no use for a name and that kind of stuff at at the time and uh but I, i think against me did a good job here of like blending their style with like the fat record style and like uh fat mike wasn't directly involved in like the production of the album or anything but certainly like his influence is there yeah you could tell i mean it has a different feel to it um 
Last thing I want to say, Fat Mike, uh, kind of a polarizing figure. He can be kind of a guy who uh, is obnoxious at times. But Laura has always, in her book, in every interview I've ever read where he's come up, spoken very highly of the guy and said that, yes, he is kind of like a gruff guy, but he has always had her back in a big way. And someone that uh, has always really supported her and her band. And she's always had really good things to say about him. So uh, I just want to point that out. Uh, they're not on Fat Records a super long time. Yeah, I was going to ask, how many records did they put out on Fat Records? Well, it's this one and the next one. And then uh, after they leave Fat Records, the Fat Records would put out a live album and then demo versions of this album and the next album so okay. uh there is an alternate version of this album that exists that we are going to get to not next episode but down the road in a few episodes basically what happened with this album in particular was um they wanted to go into a studio and just kind of get some rough versions of these songs recorded so that the producer could familiarize himself with them so that they could hear them back and so that when they went into the studio they really uh had something that was like ready to go um and polished and professional sounding album laura also says that this is kind of a loose concept album there's not really like a fully developed concept but it is like um an attempt to do something that's more country western influenced and that's where the As the Eternal Cowboy comes from. Um, I mean, this is a big shift. You know, without reading, and we're not, I mean, we're going to jump into the individual songs, but without, you know, knowing too much about it, it definitely feels like almost like a time capsule. Like this is a song about 2002, 2003, and kind of the state of it feels well, like it, the world, maybe their personal lives potentially. Absolutely, but it, like it really and, and them as a band. So I, that's kind of my big takeaway. I was like, you you listen to this, you know exactly what was going on if you so, have a few context clues. Right. So here's what happened. Uh, they were on tour for reinventing Axl Rose, and they were starting to get some attention. And Fat Records contacted them and said, hey, what do you think about putting out a 7-inch with us? And Laura just was like, no, we want to put out an album. And uh, Fat Mike was like, so you got an album ready to go? And she was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, uh, we'll be, you know, let us finish the tour in two or three weeks and we'll be ready to go. He's like, great. That all sounds great. And then she was basically like, you know, we had two or three songs written. Like we had nothing ready to go. All these songs were written like on the fly in a matter, in a matter of weeks, very quickly. <laughs> and so, you know, and uh, like you said, it does kind of have that feel of like a moment in time. And yeah. around this time, two things are going on in Laura's life. The band is taking off and she's also going through a divorce. And both of those things are pretty big themes on this album. I'd be willing to throw in a third. I, I, I suspect, and you could tell me that I'm really wrong about this, but I also suspect that like much of the rest, like anybody that was left-leaning or even just sensible, the invasion of Iraq. Yep. That's definitely a theme that. on it's at least there. one song that we'll get to. Yes. I thought it, yeah, a couple of them I sounded like. Absolutely. Um, 
I just feel like he again some more general thoughts. I I just felt like the band just sounds a lot smoother here. Tight. It's a tight. It's a tight group. This is the best vocals I think of anything we've listened to. There's great backing oh. vocals. James and Andrew are doing the backing vocals here, and they add so much to these songs. I, I thought Laura sounded the best that she sounded yeah. oh, in any of these. Absolutely. I mean, she's really singing now. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 The three of them together like really have like a cohesive unit. I really <laughs> wanted to bring up the backing vocals because I just thought like especially on this album. Like they really added a lot. You know, they're they're a full band now. This came out in November 2003, so like a year and a half after Axel, a little less. So pretty quickly. I think that probably, yeah. I mean, I think it's a it's a quick album too. And I think maybe that has something to do with it. Well, and uh that's one thing I wanted to that's one thing I wanted to bring up as well. It had mostly positive reviews at the time. There were some negative reviews. Uh and all the negative reviews, and even some of the positive ones, complained about the length. It's too short. I know everybody's different, right? In my opinion, an album can it can never be too short. I mean, I think that I, honestly, it, equating it to like movies again, I think that like you know you don't need a three hour movie. Ninety I mean, minutes, I'm I would good. Say like most get in, my, get out. Most, most of my favorite albums are 30, 45 minutes, you know, or less. Yeah. You know, I think it's fine. I got no problem with that. There's definitely an idea in this, at this time period, like the mid two thousands, like the peak of the CD era of like, you got to fill all that space. Right. It, 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 this costs $20 at the store. So you've got to have an hour and 10 minutes of stuff on there or else you're ripping people off. And it's like, no, just write the songs, write however many songs you want. And then pick out the good ones and put those out. And however many <laughs> right. that is, like, like <laughs> make an album. That's the yeah. problem. It's like make an album. Don't just make an uh, like put every song that you thought of on one thing. And I, I don't, right. I don't I, I'm fine with. A, I, I would much rather listen to a well crafted, tight album, regardless right. of how long it is. Although yeah. I will say this, and I'm jumping ahead of us a little bit. I don't know why the fuck you would put a fucking intermission on an album this short. I think that's well, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know why we'll talk about that. All right. (laughs) All right. Um, I think that was all we wanted to say in general. Austin, do you have any other final thoughts about just general ideas you wanted to express about? I went into this, not obviously that's the whole point of the show is that I don't know what the hell I'm going to listen to when I start an album, but I was like, very very pleasantly surprised not surprised maybe because i kind of now i've got a sense of like where the band came from and their their first album but i really had fun with this i i, I broke my listen to it three times rule i listened to this album a lot i've definitely listened well, to this awesome. album more than any it, other you know against me album uh and same for me and you know what it is this is such an easy album to listen to yes well, we'll get into what I think some of these songs are about. This one, uh, there's not as much info as there was for Rumen and Axel Rose, but I found some great quotes and some great information. And uh, But a lot of the songs this time were just kind of going to be going off like more of what my interpretation of the lyrics Let's is for most of these songs instead of like past I would say the last episode and also Rumen and Axel Rose, I had a lot of information where Laura said, this is what this song is about. This is what I meant when I wrote this. And with this one, uh, I maybe stuff's out there. I didn't see it. Let's get into these songs because there's a lot of them to talk about this time. Let's go. Uh, and so we're going to go through these one by one. 
We also listen to some alternate versions of the songs, and we're just going to talk about those as they come up. We're not going to talk about them as separate releases. Okay. I did want to mention here that those came out. They were released as singles for Sync Florida Sync and Cavalier Eternal, uh, and they came out about a year after the album on No Idea Records. Laura, Laura felt some loyalty to Rob and No Idea and wanted to have some stuff come out on that label and that would be their their last releases for no idea records but uh so she wanted to they were recorded at the same time as the album and just released later on a different label i was curious about that because i did know that they were on no idea records and i wondered if it was like a contractual thing or okay it makes sense that she just was more being generous right and also she was feeling a lot of pressure about being called a sellout and and that kind of thing and wanting to also rob still the producer here so you know i think there was just loyalty to no idea because i like you that. know they really broke them and uh all right. no, i like that i like that pay it pay it up pay it up to people that you that helped yeah, you out absolutely well, let's get into these songs song number one tsr stands for this i know shit. this shit rules I- <laughs> and uh what i think is great about this song this is their second album. The first thing you hear, the party's over. Right. <laughs> and it's such a different tone. It's such a, it's the, it's the party is over. And then the, the, the guitar, you know, right. it's just like, it's all, vo- there's no screaming. There's right. no nothing. It's like, a, it's like, what am, that's what got me. I was I, like, my ears were perked. And it's like, electric guitar. Yeah. We're singing here. We're not screaming. This is like, all right, we're doing something else now. Yep. And I just also thought this is just a great energetic opener. It has that sort of slow beginning and then it just goes boom. It is such a good opener. Yeah. Unlike reinventing Axl Rose, this is like the perfect oh. opener, <laughs> the opening <laughs> song to an album. <laughs> all right. Well, I, uh, I just, I love it. I, I feel very strongly about like, you have to have just a just the uh, like a punch you in the face for opening albums. I, yeah. I just um, I think the first song is so important, and maybe it's just an Austin thing, but I really I believe that, and I think this was the perfect song on this album to make the first song. Absolutely, totally agree. And it's also a song that's just about like you know just kind of coming down the next day, and just sometimes the just sort of feeling of like malaise and despair you can feel after you had a great night yep the next day you're just kind of worn out and yep questioning the night some of you- your actions and overthinking everything that you said to anyone and you know and what thinking, i mean and thinking at the, the previous night that like hey this is the greatest night i've ever had if this is the last night on earth and i'm good with it and then the next morning going yeah no not so much i don't really yeah, now I have that to go to work and yeah i gotta do, <laughs> I got responsibilities i gotta do fucking laundry yeah and i, <laughs> I also Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I also think in a way it's it's sort of a metaphor for their career at the time of like, okay, we're not just a bunch of kids goofing around anymore. Like we're a we're a serious band. We're professional musicians now. We're professional musicians. Like, we're doing this for real. Like, I this this song, I the one thing I did call out about this is that it has one of those I, <laughs> like these Laura lines. I don't know what else to call them because they're she, you know, when she writes lyrics, she's not 
concerned with like a typical lyrical rhyme structure right she's not even right. she's not even concerned with like the cadence she just has something to say and she's going to say it and make it work with the music no matter what which i think is really cool right and i like that but i also like every once in a while i think she's a little cheeky and makes like puts in lines that rhyme with any in the same line or the cadence that's really off from where you think it's going to be. But she had one in here. She said, uh, and the walls contain a resonation, laughter and conversation. And I just was like, that's such a weird, fun, awesome line. And it's very much, I like, I don't know. I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff that like wordplay that she throws in there, but I really liked it. Mars a very creative writer. She is, but she's, she's really also, she's really showing off in this song too. And like, she's hey, sneaky, yeah. but she's yeah. sneaky. <laughs> like she puts stuff in where there shouldn't be something, and you're like, right. that's completely against the conventional songwriting methods or the like the the standards for how do you yeah. put a song together. And I I like it. I really like it because it just kind of knocks it knocks me a little bit for a loop when I'm like, whoa, what'd you do there? And I have to kind of go back and listen to it again. Yeah. But I love that. That was a great line. Yeah, I mean, Laura's, Laura's someone who certainly, and that's one of the big things I love about this band. She puts a lot of thought into every single line of the song. Song number two, Cliché Guevara. Uh, I always love that title. <laughs> uh, and this is just kind of a response to like the accusations of selling out and and that sort of thing that was going on at the time. See, I heard something else, and maybe I didn't hear the right thing. I heard, I I, I was like, I want to know these fake lefty bands that she's talking about in this. <laughs> it just felt, it felt very much like she was, she was calling out bands that like pretended that they had these leftist politics without actually doing anything without using their names. That's what I thought the song was about. Don't know if it's about specific bands, but I do know one thing she was talking about around this time was sort of losing um, favor with the anarchist scene and, and sort of falling out of falling out of love with that sort of underground music scene and realizing that a lot of these people don't, really care about you in any real way and they don't actually even care about the politics that's just like a social tool that they use and um so i don't know if it's about any specific bands or the fans in general but i think it's just sort of more about like certain elements of the anarchist scene feeling fake and disingenuous to her and uh, that's something she was certainly talking about struggling with at this time in her book. So and I can think we, you, I think you were, you, you pretty much uh, were onto it. No, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I th- that's what I, yeah, that's what I was like. Hey, but you, uh, there's a lot of people that don't live these values. I, I, th- I think another thing that it's sort of about is, 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 is wanting to be like a new kind of punk. And, and there's a great line in here. Well, there's a lot of things that should be said. So we're hammering six strings and it's just like, we got to do this because we got shit to say. Right. Like, and, uh, and, and definitely feeling like the, the band is a vehicle to get our politics and worldview across. And, uh, well, it's, it's very much to the, like this album rang a lot of like Joe Strummer, the clash, you know, bells for me that I was just like, that's the, that's the strain of punk where there's a very clear message. I mean, that's always been the case with this band so far, but it, this, this album, because it does veer into other musical genres, specifically a country that I was like, that's a Joe Strummer thing. Like that's a big time, 
you know, that felt like Joe, like the spirit of Joe Strummer. Well, you're looking at me funny. Like I you, said something no, you way off base. Again. <laughs> okay. no, you nailed it again. Laura has said many times that uh, when she was young, the clash was her favorite band. It and she was heavily influenced by Joe Strummer in particular. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you know you, what? You're much better off being influenced by the clash than you are the sex pistols. That's my hot take for the episode. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. <That's> true. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about that one? I no. again. I really I, love this song. It Great, was fun. fast, energetic, catchy song. Yeah, very punk. Very punk. Good stuff. Yeah. Song number three, Mutiny on the Electronic Bay. And this one is definitely one that we talked about before that is absolutely about the invasion of Iraq. Yep. yep. This is, I mean, this, so the album comes out in 2003, right? And there were yes. a shitload. I don't know how well you remember this, but I'm, I'm, I'm a good number of years senior to you, but it's, the, like the the response to the Iraq War from the public oh, yeah. a, across the world was huge. I mean, the protests everywhere. Yeah. This is like, and it was it was massive. And honestly, like this is in in January the pre- previous year, Bush gave his famous "Axis of Evil" speech, which a lot of people were like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Yeah, and that was written by uh, enemy of the show David Frum, uh, Canadian Weezy. Yeah, you're not invited on. If you- <laughs> yeah, fuck you, man. You're honestly, I, I'll probably cover that piece of shit in a if you catch my grift episode one day because he's managed to stay relevant somehow, even though he's a complete failure at everything. Well, not I'll, I'll say this: you're going to have fun on the next album because oh, she good. definitely she definitely name checks like specific members of like, the Bush administration God. <laughs> but this one's like really short and to the point and she's not hammering you over the head with the message no you know but it's it's cl- very clearly about about iraq well i didn't catch it until i read the lyrics i didn't hear I'm it. The same. i'm the same and when i read it i was like oh yeah yeah um absolutely all right anything else you want to say about that no, that, one, that one's pretty quick. I mean, it yep. just kind of flies by. David but, Brum uh, fucking sucks. Let's launch him into the sun. That's all. You can beat all, all right. that out. <laughs> no, I'll leave that in. I'm going to Say whatever you want. You can save whatever you want. We're not editing out violent threats. I don't care. All right, good. Charlie right. always said it's my violent threats. Song number four, Austin. Sink, Florida, sink. This is the single, right? Yes. Okay. This is the song. That if you didn't like, I was gonna be like, you gotta fucking go home. <laughs> well, I, I I I liked it, so you don't have to worry I, about that. <laughs> I consider this like a perfect song. This is a country ballad. This is absolutely. what it is. It's, absolutely, it's like a country. It's yes. a ballad. It's a country song. It is extremely dark, and then they do the whoa oh oh ohs. Yeah. I'm like. Well, that's a wild ride. I really yeah. like it. It's very clever. It's, def- it's definitely a breakup song for sure. Uh, and I I'll tell you, I couldn't figure. So I had two thoughts, and and one of them was moving on, like getting away from part of their life and what they were going through. So I'm glad you right. said it was a breakup song because the other part was like, I don't know. I think when she started writing about the war in Iraq, I was like, immediately I was like, Oh, George W. Bush. And then I was like, Oh, recount efforts in Florida. But then I was like, that's way too. That's definitely literal. what the title of the song is about. Right. It's too literal though. I don't think yeah. she, she doesn't write like that. So I was a little like, I wanted to hear what you thought of it because I wasn't totally sure. 
I think the title of the song was definitely a reference to the election. It's funny, uh, funny how my opinion of Florida has not changed since this album came out. But the song, I don't think is political in any way. I could okay. be, I could be misreading that. Um, but one thing I want to say before I get into some background info, I think this is like the best vocals on any Against Me song that we've listened to so far. Like the singing yep. on here is top notch. Yeah, no, I I really I enjoyed this song. I, I don't this is another one where the background vocals really add a lot, and the whoa o's and all that stuff is like, yeah, great stuff. Not so, sure it was my favorite song though. I will say that as much okay, as I liked that's it, fine. I, I don't know if it was my. I don't favorite. have a problem with that, as long as you just didn't come on here and be like, well, you know, this isn't that good. I don't think this is that great. <laughs> I just, I, I guess, I maybe maybe I'm finding out a lot of truths about myself that I didn't know before. <laughs> so I clearly like country music more than I like drinking songs. <laughs> Sure, that's fine. All right. This is the first song, Austin, that we listened to where there was an alternate version. And this alternate version came out on a little CD, and maybe you remember this at the time, maybe you don't, called Rock Against Bush. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. (laughs) This was a, they did two of these. Uh, oh, I didn't realize there was a second one. Oh, yeah, there was a second one. And uh, these were compilations at the time um, that Fat Records put out. Uh, and they had a lot of big bands and stuff on them at the time. Not going to get super in-depth into the history of Rock Against Bush, but Against Me, definitely outspoken against the Bush administration in a big way on this album and the next album. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Let's, I'm going to let you go first, comparing the, the acoustic version that appeared on the album and the electric alternate version. Which one did you prefer? Oh, the acoustic version. Okay. I was, I just, I, I didn't think, I thought the acoustic version nailed it. I listened to the acoustic version a lot more than I did the electric version. I just, I, I don't know. I thought it was, I, I, I see what they were doing. Maybe I think I see what they were doing, but I didn't, I didn't think they, the, the band needed to re-record this song that way i liked them almost equally but yeah if i've got to pick one i'm going with that acoustic version right. i think the electric version is really good though but it's it's very listenable and i i kept yeah. going back and forth between the two of them like i'd listen to one and then the other and the other and I, yeah. I you know i was like neither of them are i mean it's not bad but it's just i yeah. i i would say i much prefer the acoustic version that was the right version to put on that album yeah i agree with that uh, and that and that was something that Laura talked about too is um, wanting to have some acoustic songs on here for the old time fans, right? Uh, which is funny because they're very different from the early acoustic against me stuff. So let's move on to song number five, which is slurring the rhythms. This one's really fast and aggressive. Yep, this is just like a punk, straight punk song. About Once like it, a band on tour. That's kind of what I got from it. Yeah, and again, I think, you know, breaking a breakups is just a theme in a lot of these songs. Yeah. Breaking up in her marriage, breaking up with the fans, you know, I think there's a lot of she's going through a lot of feelings of loss at the time that she's writing this album. Yeah, you, you can know? definitely feel it. Yeah, I, I, I really don't have a ton to say about this one. This is one on the album that. You know, there's 11 songs here. 
this one, uh, you know, kind of just goes by and then it's over. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually had the least written about this song um, yeah. than any of the rest of them. I mean, I like this song, but, uh, you know, it's it doesn't inspire like a ton of conversation, I would say. Let's move on to song number six, which is Rice and Bread. And uh, this is just about how the band was living lean on tour, but they're giving it everything they got, you know, because they know now we finished this tour. We're going to go make this album. And like things are really going to be rolling. And I mean, they're pretty much right. Like reinventing Axel Rose broke them out to a certain point. You know what I mean? And right. in retrospect, it has become an historical and important album. Right. But this is the this is the album where they really broke. Well, they I started mean, being written about money. by music critics and uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, they made money, you know. And um yeah, and and they were a big boost to Fat Records. I mean, it was very much a symbiotic relationship where they elevated each other. Yeah, I mean, I think if we you know go back to the, like the the Fat Records stuff, I think it was a really smart move um, for for Mike to sign a band like this that was very much outside of the wheelhouse of the label, but still related right. enough where it made sense. Both one thing Laura talks about uh, in her book and also in interviews is that both sides wanted to work with each other, but also were sort of weary of each other. But I mean, I think it worked out, especially here. Um, and, and they were sort of, for the most part left to do, you know, their own thing here. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't see executives if they, I mean, Ed fat records really interfering right. on the creative part yeah. of things. They're like, I mean, me- Laura did talk about, there was some stuff where fat might kind of, uh, you know, got involved and stuff, but but not too heavily. For the for, as far as like the songwriting and stuff, they are pretty much left to right. to make it themselves. But uh, all right, that, the next thing, song number seven. Uh, you brought it up before. We're not going to talk a ton about this, but we do have to bring it up because it is here. Is a brief yet triumphant intermission, and I I, th- I mean I think what is very clearly happening here, Austin. It's like. We got to fill some time on this thing. Yes, that's exactly. What <laughs> <it was. laughs> we can't deliver a twenty-five minute album. We can deliver a thirty-minute album. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think this is a good little riff. It is. It, it, I got it, no problem. It's, a, with it. it's just a nice little break. I don't mind this, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like anything super memorable or anything. It's just kind of there. I agree. All right. It's also weird to have the intermission be like late in the album. It's not really in the middle. It's no, it's no, like it's weird. The back it's, half. it's yeah. weird. I thought it was, I kind of thought you were going to tell me like it was some sort of inside joke that Laura was making, but I, I, think, it is. I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it was just like, Hey, let's put this in. We got to get this at least to a half hour. Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to song. Number eight. Unsubstantiated rumors are good enough for me to base my life upon. And I got to say, before you say what you have to say, this is like one of my all-time favorite songs. All right. This is, this is definitely about cheating, though, right? <laughs> cheating and, yes, breaking up. And, and breaking and, yes. up. Okay. Yes. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, like, I was like, am I totally No, cheating's definitely uh, being discussed here. I mean, that, and that's sort of why the marriage kind of fell apart. Um, we'll get into that on one of the next songs. But, uh, yeah. I mean, this is definitely a song that's uh, that's about a breakup. There's no question. I mean, the, 
the lyrics are very sharp and cutting here. Yeah, they're really well. I, I thought because when I when I listened and I was reading the lyrics as I was listening, I was like, this is really forward and very obvious. Like there's no yeah. there's nothing obtuse about these lyrics. It's very much like this is exactly what's going on, which is why the I last asked, because yeah. I was like am I missing something? Cause that's totally possible. <laughs> I would this say is about la- something else. And yeah. I just missed it. This is a very short song, like less than, I think it's like less than 90 seconds. I would say like the last 30 seconds. Or so of the song, it starts where she's just, what the fuck were you thinking? That's like one of my favorite things ever in the history of music. That, that just last little verse of this song, just like yep. connects with me so much. Well, I love it so it, much. It's really in your face. Cause it's like, what the fuck were you thinking? I'm not yeah. sorry. I would do it again. And then it goes all the lines between hate, love and revenge. It's just dead. It's dead. It's dead. They're just dead feelings. Like yeah. I wrote those down in my, yeah. notes. the other line. That's I re- great. I, That's I, re- great. I, the other line I like from that song, maybe my second favorite line on the, on the album is, and for every push forward, you get the same fucking push back. I just love that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I like, I like, I don't know. I just, there's something about that line that I was like, man, yeah. boy, this that song that is hits. so short, but the lyrics are so great. God, it's such a good song. There's also an alternate electric version of this song, which I'm going to go ahead and say, I thought was way better than the acoustic version. I just I, think it hits so much harder as like an electric song. See, I kind of felt the opposite. I thought like, okay. you know, I thought the emotional resonance of, the acoustic more acoustic version was a lot more powerful it just felt like it felt a little bit more um direct you know it was like okay. i was sitting across from someone singing it i when i heard the the, the clapping in the electric yeah. version i was like what is that that's, <laughs> that's right. where did that come okay. from but i don't yeah. i didn't dislike it i just thought that i i felt more connected to the acoustic version i think okay. my, but, my, uh, my notes exactly said I'm not sure what I thought about this song, but it doesn't have the emotional resonance of the album version. That's that okay. was, I think that sums hey, it up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I feel that way about a song that we're going to talk about in just a moment, Austin, <laughs> which is song number nine. You look like I need a drink. This is one that is directly about an affair that she had on the road. She goes pretty in detail. Uh, into the story in her book uh, basically they played at a college and the band was hanging out with some girls at the college she ended up sleeping with a girl in an alley uh, and then she, that basically led to the direct end of her marriage basically she goes home from the tour tells her wife that this is what happened and that was kind of the, 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 the way she tells it is you know they were both very unhappy it was not a not a good relationship right. ever, but that was the nail in the coffin. Right. Um, so I like this song a lot. I like this song a lot. This is a, yeah. this is a honky tonk song. Yes. And you know what? There's, 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 there are a several topics that you can never go wrong with in country music and cheating is one of them. I'm, yes, like absolutely. this is a yeah. honky tonk song about cheating. You know, like I okay. feel like if if 
you know, um, Axl Rose was a, what I call it, oh, a shanty, an album full of shanties. This right. is an album full of honky-tonk songs, and this is right. the honky-tonk song of all of them. Yes. Yes. I love it. I thought it was great. And I mean, so we, we listened to an alternate acoustic version, and I thought that, I like that version, like, way better. I thought it should have been the one on the album. Really? Yes. I didn't feel as strongly about the e- Oh man, I thought the acoustic version of this just like hits so much harder, it's so much slower and more deliberate. Yeah, man, what, I love what, that acoustic version. I so the beginning was very strange of the acoustic. I was like, what am I again? Really <laughs> right. caught me off guard. It's a totally different song. I think yeah. what it was with that song is that at some point I expected it to get out of first gear and to right. just go. And I was, and I, maybe it's because now I'm, that's what I'm expecting with some of these songs with against me. And, and I, and like that, it didn't ever leave, you know, it, it didn't, okay. it, it stayed I the same. That. I was like, I'm like, okay, any minute now, any minute now, it's just going to ramp up. Here we go. Here we go. And it didn't happen. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. kind of, I'm, all right, that's fine. I mean, it's a perfectly good song. All right, that brings us to song number 10. Turn those clapping hands into angry, bald fist. And this is a short album full of short songs, but not this one. This one's not almost this five one. minutes long. This one's long. It has a very slow build. Yeah. But then it really hits hard at the end. And it's very much a song that's just sort of about the monotony of modern life. Oh yeah, and and just like it's it's the lyrics are, are kind of self-deprecating in a way. She's sort of taking shots at herself, like, "Oh, now you're this comfortable person." You know what I mean? I I think she's calling people out, but she's also talking about herself, whether she's doing that consciously or so. Because Laura is a very self-deprecating, anxious person, and that's why I, I love and relate to her music so much. Right? I, yeah, I think it kind of it swings pretty freely back and forth between yeah. you know casting judgment, but then having it come back on yourself. Right? Too. Yes, it hits you in the gut. I have to say, like it's this a song, great song. It's very boy. Good. Yeah, I know. I mean, I I because you like, think it starts and you kind of go like. Okay, why are we slowing it down like this? We were really moving. And then like it just pays off so much at the end. And like, yeah, it's a great song. It is. And I it's I the was, first time you have like a guitar solo in any against me songs. Right. And I I part of me I, as a joke, I wanted to come in and be like, well, they clearly wrote the second half of the song just to also add some time onto this album. But it really it's so good, I don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like there's the halfway through the song, it just goes to all instrumental and that's the rest of the song but it works i think against me is great at like letting a song be whatever it needs to be yeah yeah yep. it was it was it was well, i i really i enjoyed the song i think i it's really definitely one that grows on you the more you hear it yeah you know what it is it's i think that i think that this is an i mean to me without giving too much away before the end i think i really the the last half of this album is just like the the after the intermission, it's not really a half because I know it didn't happen. In the right. But like it has such a strong ending. It has a great first song, such a strong. I'm not disparaging anything in between, but I just like those are the two important things to me for an album. And I think a lot of albums kind of fall off a cliff at the end. And the last few songs are never that important, but not this song. I think the last few songs on this are maybe the most important songs on the album. Right. All right. Let's get right in 
Song number 11, Cavalier Eternal. This is unlike any song on this album, any other Against Me song. In fact, I'll tell you a story about this song. The first time I ever heard it, I was uh, I was in a car with my buddy, and uh, and we would all and this was in college, and we would always ride around and, and smoke and listen to music. And who basically whosever car it was had control of the music, and there was always arguments about what music we should be listening to, as there would be with four 20-year-old men in the you know what I mean. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> one day he starts playing this song, and this was around the time that I was getting into against me. I'd heard the next album that we're going to listen to and i'd heard reinventing ice Wars. and I was like, huh. we were all kind of digging this song you know what i mean yeah and i said what's this and he said this is against me and i said no it isn't no it's not and he said yeah it is dude that's what it says here it says against me and i said no you're wrong <laughs> and he was like well my girlfriend made this cd for me and she says it's against me and so I, <laughs> I went and looked it up and i was like well i'll be goddamn <laughs> and, and that's that that was another moment of like really falling in love with the band uh, clearly a song about cheating in a breakup again and oh, absolutely i think this was the absolute perfect song to end an album. Uh, I think it was the perfect follow-up to turn those clapping hands into angry bald fists. I think it was it it, like the tone of it was so different. I have said it before and I blew your mind afterwards when I referenced uh, the movie, but like specifically the stage show and the soundtrack for Hedwig and the angry inch, but this just feel there's they, I think they're like, they're cousins. I think, Okay. You know, I, I really do. I think John Cameron Mitchell and, and Laura have they they sort of, they're the same. I, John Cameron Mitchell is a little older, but I think that they're kind of in that same generational group. I think that they came up on the same kind of music and I think okay. they're like these spiritual success. And, and it, the way that the music for that, but like the, the tone that Mitchell does on in that show and in that movie is it's all over the place and he'll do a song that's a country song and then he'll do a song that doesn't sound like anything else he's ever done before on the and I and I that's the vibes that I pick up on with this and I and and I mean that in the most positive respectful like this is great sort of way i really 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 like this song yeah it's um, a great song it's sad this things, is just like a pure pop country song yeah but also like I, sad things make for good art you know yeah, yeah. unfortunately yeah absolutely um one thing i saw lots of comments people saying well i don't like against me at all but i love this song I hate that I like this song so much because I don't like it against me, but this is a great song. I saw lots of comments like that. That's so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, it's stupid. <laughs> hey, people like what they like. I mean, this is totally yeah. different from anything they've ever done, ever did do. Yeah. But so it the fits, la- but, it, but it fits with everything. Oh, I love it. That they've done like like it. I mean, I I would say aesthetically, it sounds a little different, but I it's still very much like at its core and the song or everything. It it's 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 almost the I I don't know. Laura may not like me saying this, but she's never going to listen because no one is going to tell her about this podcast. Um, but it, it it's it's the most traditional pop song in terms oh, of just the structure that they've ever done and i think it's really interesting to hear that and i think that that's 
I think it shows the breadth of the band's talent that they can pull something like this and it doesn't seem corny or stupid or like you're phoning it in. It's actually like, hey, this is a good song. You did a really good job at a, at, at a song that's very different than anything you do. That's that's all. Yeah. So and 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 like we talked about with Disco before the breakdown, it definitely seems like Laura's confidence is up. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? People are going to be pissed off at me no matter what this album sounds like. Exactly. They're mad I'm on this label. Yep. Like I've already lost them. They're not coming back. I'm just going to make the songs that I want to make. Yeah. And this Get some is some chances. This is a fucking great great country song. Yep. Great pop song. Great punk song because, like I said, against me, like they 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 changed what it meant to be punk. We're just gonna do a fucking country album for our second album because that's what we want to do. And 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 it's not like they went country or whatever because like that's a thing that rock bands do now is like a cynical turn to like right wing <laughs> country music. They're they're not like Aaron Lewis out here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not kid rock. <laughs> You know? No, 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 no. I mean, this is very much a punk album, but it, it's it's got some elements of country music and and certainly is influenced by, uh, you know, she, she talks about being really into Willie Nelson at this time and that being a big influence on her. And uh, yeah, so I, th- I think you can hear some of that for sure. We'll, we'll edit some of this out, but are you are you familiar? Do you remember the band Lit of yeah. My Own Worst Enemy fame? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar at all with any of the recent music that they've been making? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my God. When we get off here, I'm going to DM you a okay. music video. Is it terrible? Austin. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's going to blow your mind. You're not, you're not ready for this. You're not, you're not prepared. For this. Oh my so, God. So murder Brian did a, that's how I learned about this. Murder Brian did a music podcast for a little while. He on his Patreon, he does like theme shows and they'll just make like five or six episodes. But yeah. Anyway, he did a podcast about butt rock. You know, and uh, and yeah, lit. So it's crazy. So they started uh, in the late '80s as as uh, like a hair metal band, right? Really, right as, right as grunge was taking off, and so of course that <laughs> that didn't really go anywhere. So they thought, okay, we'll we'll sort of become more of like a grunge influenced band, right? But that that didn't that, work. That sucked. They weren't. You know, so then in the late 90s, right? Blink 182, Green Day, like pop punk is like the big thing. So they're like, actually, I think we can do that. We can, we can. So they, they had that big hit with my own worst enemy, right? But, and so around 2014, 2015, as you can imagine, the gigs were not as hot as they used to be. And, uh, and, and they just became a full on, like, uh, radio country uh and uh the, you gotta hear the song it's amazing but All right, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it another all right austin one final thing i wanted to bring up about this song yep let's go we talked about alternate versions so i told you earlier that the album was recorded twice they recorded sort of like a demo version of the album and then they recorded what ended up here the official version of the album this song here cavalier eternal the one that's on the album is actually the demo version. Fat Mike listened to the demo version and said, this is way better than the version that you made for the album, which is the alternate version that we listened to. And he said, no, the demo version needs to be what is on the album. And he was 100% right. 100% right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The, the, 
the the demo version is such like a fun song. Yep. And and the the album, well, it wasn't the album version, but the version they made for the album, it just kind of feels a little lifeless. And it's all that. It's yeah. The vocals are weird. I don't like them. They're I, fucking around in the studio yeah, and, it, it, and and having fun. And that comes across as like good to the listener. And you know I will I mean? say it's the same tempo. Like I listened back to back, but the, the one that shows up on the EP, the one that they recorded for the full length, but ended up on the yeah. EP, it feels slow. It, it's yeah, not, it's too I know slow. it's a, it's a thing in your head. It's not, yeah. they're the same tempo. I think I mean, oh, are they? Bit. Yeah. When I listened back okay. to back, I was like, but there's something about it that just makes it feel like it's dragging. It's and not, I definitely don't like it. I didn't like it. Yeah. Much. Laura, I don't think was super thrilled that fat Mike stepped in and like overruled and made a call there. Yeah. He made the right call. Dude, He was right. He was absolutely right. I mean, that's of the four alternate versions that we listened to. This is unquestionably the only one where I'm like, ah, this didn't need to be released. There's nothing here that let's get into the quotes. Austin. I've got some good quotes this time. I went and did some research and I found an interview with Laura. From Lollipop Magazine, all the way back in 2004. They, they still had this up online. I remember what I'm about Lollipop Magazine. I haven't either, but they did a pretty good interview here with Laura. Uh, so what I'm going to read to you is an amalgamation of two quotes. Okay. She sort of makes the same point across two questions, and I sort of edited it to be sort of one uh coherent point so this is going to be a long block of text but i think she's got some really interesting things to say here all right so please bear with me so basically she's asked you know about the backlash to this album not being as political so she says i don't feel that i left out politics maybe i didn't say the word anarchy as many times there are various ways to go about relating your politics to people you can be really blatant and beat them over the head with it. Or you can talk about the way politics work on a personal level. Your daily life can be a very political thing. The way you interact with people, the way you treat people, everything can be political. And then she continues and says, I don't think that that if you're in a band and you have a certain political view that you need to fucking say it every single time on every single record with every single song. There's a difference between having a political view and being an artist, someone who's in a band and a musician wants to try new things and experiment. This record is meant to be something different than the last record, but that doesn't mean that my political views have changed. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, I think she makes a lot of really, really interesting points there. I love what she says about your daily life is, is a political thing. Yeah, it is. Every interaction you have with someone is politics. And uh, and absolutely, there's, there's politics of marriage, which is right. She clearly gets into. I mean, like it, it is. It's something you don't have to be fucking Bono and you too. I don't. I don't think anybody. About. I don't think anybody comes away listening to this album and goes like, "Oh, is Laura right wing?" I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> what I mean? like I don't. Think, uh, but you know, uh, yeah. I think. I mean, I think she makes a great point here. It's like you know, you don't have to just fucking say the same thing over and over. We said it. Yeah. You know, if you want to hear what we think about anarchy. We got three albums you can listen to. 
Right. You know what or, I mean? Or just listen to th- turn those clapping hands into angry right. bald fists. I mean, like that's yeah. the most overtly political song. Right. And uh and mutiny on the electronic bay as well. I mean, there's yep. definitely yep. political songs here. It's not, yeah. you know. Well, let's move on. As once again, Austin, I have got some quotes from the oral history of reinventing Axel Rose article. I always go like, I'm not going to use that again. I'm going to find a new source, but every it's time I look good. into this and yeah, maybe I should email this guy and say like, Hey, I've been ripping off your work for four episodes. Now we got three quotes from three different people here. And here's another one from Laura. And uh, this is, I sort of talked about the hit, the uh, story behind the making of the album earlier, but this is Laura saying it in her own words. So Laura says, Mike called me on my very first cell phone, which I only got because I was sleeping on couches. Me and James were on our way out to Best Buy for some reason. And Mike called him. He's he's like, yeah, I'll do it. How does 25,000 sound? I'm thinking fucking 25,000 fucking dollars. We recorded reinventing Axel Rose for $800 and we had to borrow that money. I was punching the fucking roof of the van, flipping out. James and I had that classic movie moment when you're on the phone, but looking at each other, totally mouthing it all out. I'm like, <laughs> raise his hand to ear to mimic being on the phone. Yeah, 25 should work. Yeah, we totally got the songs written and we're pretty ready to go. We've got these tours coming up, but after that, we can go to the studio and do it. No problem. <laughs> all right. Moving on, Austin. This is what Warren Oaks, the drummer, had to say about signing to Fat Records. It wasn't as cut and dry of a decision as you might think. We were having a lot of serious conversations about commercializing art, what it means to turn your expression into a commodity, and at what point is the message being diluted by the medium that you're going through. At the end of the day, we decided that we're dealing with an independent label that's run by musicians that operate (laughs) with its own discretion. But it wasn't without a lot of serious deliberation between all of us trying to figure out how that decision settled, what kind of compromises might come with making that leap. Ultimately, we met with Mike and he was very straightforward and very engaging. He made the case and won us over. No regrets on that front. It was great working with him and getting to hang out with him. He's a hilarious dude. I think that the the, the beauty of someplace like Fat Records is it's actually owned by a musician, owned and run by a right. fellow musician. It's a it's right. a guy in a punk band. Right. And, and also, you know, Fat Mike is a guy that made his living making underground music. And what he was very smart about was like, yes, it's my label and I'm in charge, but I'm going to get people that actually know what the fuck they're doing to like actually make the business decisions and sign these bands because I don't know anything about that. I just know, hey, this sounds good to me. Go give them some money and tell them to make an album for us. Right. Yeah. They, but they also like it was impressive, I think. And this is why it boggles my mind that anybody was mad that Against Me would sign with Fat Records is that they made money without ever having a radio hit. Like they never billboard tried. Right. They never, they got it based on touring and record sales by doing it on them the, by themselves, yeah. like doing it on their own. And I think that that, I think, I think what it comes down to is people know once they get on fat records, they're going to start making some money. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. going to be hanging out on our couch anymore. They're not going to be like our, our band here in Gainesville. They're going to be, you know, a real band now. Yeah. Like it's not, Listen, I mean, at the end of the day, and we've talked about this before, right? We would all prefer to live in a utopia where we don't have to worry about making money and being like 100%. free of the restraints of capitalism. Yep. But that's not that's not reality. No, if not at all. L- Laura 
Laura wanted to make music like for a living because that's the only way to be an artist. You got to get paid. You're right. You know, exactly. And, and, and listen, I don't think Laura ever got like super rich doing this. And, uh, and, but I mean, at the same time, like if you're making no money, you're going to give up eventually because you can't do it forever. If you're, if yep. you're not selling any records, you no, know, it's true. You got to get a job. You got to get a nine to five. Yeah. All right. The last quote, <laughs> I just thought this one was funny. This is from fat Mike. And he said, <clears throat> I was the last person in the office to hear them, heard them, liked them. We signed them. <laughs> you gotta like that kind of leadership on a yeah. uh, from a label perspective one thing one thing laura and the others said about fat mike and and warren pointed out here in his quote you know he's just a very straightforward guy this is what we want to do this is what we're going to give you this is what we think you're worth yeah you know you happy with it great let's work together if you're not yeah. walk away Go and, and, and laura said you know some people some people can find that off-putting but because she said, you know, Mike, Mike is a guy who does make like off color jokes and he's not, a, he's, he's not a guy who's like um, afraid to tell you what he thinks. Right. You know what I mean? He's just going to say, yeah. Okay. We want you to make an album. We'll give you $25,000. You want to do that or not? There you go. Austin. We got yes. one final segment here. All right. I know what this is. I, I need to know from the album that we listened to today. What did you think was the worst song? Oh, man. I mean, okay. So I got two answers to this. Because I think the first is like Shooting Fish in a Barrel. And that's by naming one of the EP songs to me. But I also think well, that if I... Oh, go ahead. So I'm just going to tell you right now that I also chose the cop-out answer. Which was non-real answer. Probably which the, the same ultimate one version of Ca yeah. Cavalier Eternal. Cavalier Eternal from the EP. <laughs> which yes. is not a real pick. It's, <laughs> I'm not, listen, I'm not proud of myself for doing that, but I was like, ha, huh, okay. Well, number one, I did like that the least, but then I don't have to say any of the songs on the album were bad. So I'm going to be braver than you. Okay. And I'm not going to say the song is bad, but I'm going to say it's my least favorite on, on the album, on the actual album, because okay. I know I have to pick one. My least favorite on the on the um, the main album, it would probably be slurring the rhythms. You know Just, what? It, that was what I had written down first. So we, yeah. were, we were totally in line with each other. That's weird. I don't yeah. think we're going to be that's in line second, with each other. That's the second time in a row we had the same worst song. But I don't. we've never had the same best song. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's different, you know. Yeah. Best best song is tougher to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's tough. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I flip-flopped a little bit, but I'm, I'm pretty confident. I, too. I went back and forth, but I ultimately, I'll go first here. I went with Sink 4 to Sink. It was very close between this and Unsubstantiated Rumors. But at the end of the day, like, if I got to pick just one, Sink 4 to Sink is one of their signature songs. It's one of their most popular songs. And to me, it's just one of the best songs they ever made. So I, I got to go with that. All right. I'm going to do, I went back and forth between Cavalier Eternal, the, the album version, and this, which ultimately I think is my pick, which is You Look Like I Need a Drink. From okay. The album. 
right. I, I accept that. That's a great song. Really like that song. I really, yeah. really do. I thought it was just, it's a fun song about a terrible thing that you can go through in your life. And, and maybe my brain is just too fucking warped at this point that like, I'm like, <laughs> I, I like fun songs about terrible things. Um, yeah. That's, but that's where, I'm, that's where I'm at. That's where I landed. So, so I think you, that we're like really good at, naming bad songs so if anybody disagrees with our picks for the bad songs they're clearly in the wrong i think the only thing anyone could take issue with here is that we both chose the cop out answer i but i I, but i knew i knew i was doing it as i did it and i I thought you know what i'm just gonna fucking do it (laughs) fuck it what's because you like the The album the next album there's no alternate versions i'll have to make a real pick okay so and 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 yeah so uh, I went with the cop out pick for this because I had such a tough time with reinventing Axel Rose having to say I didn't like one of those songs. And then here I was like, yeah, I guess if I got to go with slurring the rhythms, but fuck, I don't want to say that. And then I was and then I was listening to the alternate version of Cavalier Eternal. And I was like, this is the only song that when I do my listen through, I, I think about skipping sometimes. that's why i picked it all right is there any final thoughts that you had about this album before we get into what we're going to talk about next time i just had a lot of fun i really enjoyed this album if if this was the album that i first listened to i i would you know i think this is an album that would have hooked me into this band all right well let me ask you this then Mm -hmm. you like this or reinventing x rose better oh you're really trying to get me canceled aren't you uh I, I don't i don't think people get mad at you for saying you like this better i, mean, I for do. me it's i like for me like, it's very very close it, it would depend on what day you asked me i mean I, I think i think as of today i i like this one better yeah. i really do i mean it's going to be very hard at the end when we have to rank these albums these two in particular because they're we, so wait they're we have so, to do that i already told you that before <laughs> on the I'm last kidding. episode <laughs> all right I mean, that's going to be tough because these albums are so, so different from each other and they're both so great. Yeah. But yeah, it's, man, I can't pick a favorite. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm going to have to. Yeah. But not today. So today I'm. No, I, I think I, I think. No, I don't think anybody's going to take. Well, there's some insane people who think like Reinvent Axel Rose is the only good thing they ever did. Those people are going to take issue with it. But you know what? They probably gave up after last episode anyway. When we said we didn't like impact and burn, you know what I mean? They're probably like, I'm fucking out. On they this. never picked up this podcast yeah. to begin with. What are you talking so, about? <laughs> so anyway, uh, but I, I think, I think your, your regular run of the mill against me fan is going to think that's a pretty respectable opinion. I don't, it's, it's not by a large margin, but for right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next time, Austin. Yes, sir. We're going to be talking about an album called Searching for a Former Clarity. You know what? I'm just not going to tell you anything about this other than it's still Fat Records. Okay. And this one is a little bit longer than the last couple albums we listened to. This one's, this, I think this one's about 45, 46 minutes long. That's still not long. That's fine. It's not, it's not super long, but, you know, Axel was 30. This is 25, you know. So uh, a little bit longer than normal, but there's not going to be any bonus songs or extra songs tacked on. We're just going to be listening uh, to the album. So uh, again, looking forward to this one. And uh, you know what? Awesome. We're also going to have next episode is a big announcement. I can't wait. And I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) And let's get into your plugs 
this Austin is always telling me, God, I love doing the plugs for my uh, podcast. Yeah. I wish we could do the plugs twice because I just love doing it. And I say, Austin, we can't. That's, that's <laughs> not fair to the listener. Plugomania. <laughs> but what, what do you have to plug? What's coming up on the next episode of If You Catch? So when, when this hits, um, we will have released a, I think the last episode that we will have released is um kind of a pet project of mine i was really happy that dalton was involved but we're taking a look at the various grifty you know uh industries that are or companies that are involved with the sort of the prison industrial complex it's not now wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Mm -hmm. awesome yes are you telling me yes that there is some Griffs going on in the United States of America involving the prison system? Is this what I, is this what you're trying to? T- I mean, honestly, there's more than I knew. There's more than you probably Dude, know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, it's going gonna, to make you mad. It's going to make gonna you shoot straight with you. I have not listened to this episode yet because I just know. Oh, it's, it's pissed everybody oh, off. It's God, made it. I just know. So yeah, because people have been listening to it in the Discord and saying like, "Oh, I was so pissed." Yeah, great episode, but I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those. It's like we, we we did this episode, and I I got so upset writing it. Don't get really upset listening to it. It it's it's despicable what people are willing to do to not only inmates or you know the incarcerated, but also the families of the incarcerated. But this is going to be a a non weekly series, so we're going to slip these in kind of whenever whenever I can get around to them and talk about various um grifters that that are grifting off families of the incarcerated people which is just horrible and how governments allow them to do this it's probably our most like politically forward-looking oh <laughs> giddy <laughs> do you want to say hello sometimes she'll talk you want to say hello hey no i don't <laughs> But yeah, no, that's that's on you if you catch my griff. Check it out. It's called the Prison Industrial Complex. Uh, it's the first part of a I don't know how many part series, but like I said, not not necessarily biweekly. Um, and it's about a company called JPay. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash if you catch my grift. I remembered it this time. I've done all of my plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at Austin Agogo. I don't think I have anything else. All right, cool, cool. Uh, as usual, I don't really have any plugs. You want to follow me at Age of the Fever on Twitter? Um, yeah, he's a good it. follow. Once again, he's a good follow. Follow Dwayne. Don't don't follow me. I'm terrible at Twitter. You don't. Hey, you don't have to follow me if you don't want. That's fine. You sh- you that's should. your own. That's your own business. But you should at least message me and say, "Hey, I listen to the show." Uh, I would really appreciate it. You well, know? So we have an agreement as a listener. There's okay. So there's actually two rules, right? If you want to count. Uh, yeah. There are two rules of show. One, of course, one the is, first rule is don't tell Laura about, don't tell Laura. And that's second, just common. That's just common manners. And, and, and the second rule is if you, if you want to be counted as an official listener of the show, you have to tell me that you listen to the show. That's tangentially the, the second rule. The second rule. What is, is the other rule? It is if you want to say, if you like the podcast and you want to say something nice, you should tweet to Dwayne. If you hate the podcast, you should tweet to me. And that's, that's I, I just how. I don't know. That. Huh? That's no, not that's nice to do. That's oh, please just bring it. To, I could take it. It's fine. I'll never tell Dwayne. You won't break him. It's fine. Just if it's nice, tell Dwayne. If it's not nice, tell me and, and I will ignore you or go tell you, fuck yourself. Uh, so yeah, that's how we break it down. Okay. All right. <laughs>
Sure. I'm the receptacle of hate, and you are. You should receive all the praise for this podcast. That's how this breaks down. <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't agree with that. I think. I think. I think this is a fifty-fifty effort. Not, this is this part of the contract we both signed. Okay, I, it's I, not up for negotiation I think, now. I think. Well, yeah. All right. We'll see who people. We'll see if people like the least uh, when the show is uh, is over. <laughs> you said you couldn't sleep. You should have called me.